Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. Um, I feel like I need to say something. Uh, as many of you may have read in my Facebook tip post, I have graciously had my prayers answered and been laid off with everybody else in my department. It's kind of sad, but uh, ironically enough, um, it's it's a topic I talk about a lot. When I do the Two Beers of Charles podcast, just how, why you need to be prepared, why you need to learn skills, why you need to have something you're working on on the side. And I'm going to speak more on this once uh, <laughs> once I get paid. So I did get a pretty, pretty generous severance package, um, but it's not all finalized yet, so I can't talk about everything. Um, I promise I'll do a podcast soon talking about why I was laid off, because it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, For anyone that didn't know, I've been working in telecommunications for like the past 10 years. As many of you know, I work for Verizon Wireless. And I was working at another cable company that, um, or another telecommunications company that happened to be a cable company. And basically, my company was purchased by a much smaller company for a lump sum that it, it was pretty obvious when it was purchased that they couldn't afford. So um, I guess what what I really want to say is thank you to everybody that wrote something kind, that listens. Um, just kind words, just words of encouragement. Um, I'm figuring out what my best strategy is going to be. I, I have a pretty good idea. And uh, it's still not, you know, in rock solid. There's a lot of work I need to do on my end just on a personal level and, and I guess psychological level, just so I am a hundred percent ready to, well, just that, not that I'm not ready, but just so that I know that I am going to be, you know, a hundred percent focused in what I, what I need to do. So I want to shout out, uh, you know, Greg Burns and, and, uh, Javin Bernakovich and, uh, um, who else did I talk to? Luke Callahan. So I had I had some good conversations with those guys. Of course, Scott and anybody else that I talked to, um, I'm really blown away. So uh, when I first started this podcast, I was in a similar situation, except that time I wasn't really prepared, and because of that, you know, I decided to start a podcast and do some other stuff. But you know, guys, this time around, it's a lot different. You know, I've been doing farming now for the past year. Um, I've been looking into other business ventures too. Um, but whatever it is I'm going to do, I'm going to do well at it. So I'm, I'm pretty committed at it. So I got, I got some options and I, I'm, like I said, I mean, I've, I've been talking to Javin. I've been taking Javin's all points life design course, which, um, if you guys haven't listened to the episode I did with Javin, definitely listen to it, man. It was, uh, it was good. And, um, I'm going to do some more episodes with him in the future, but, um, Anyways, guys, I appreciate uh, everything and all the kind words. I'm really blown away, and I can't say a nice, a nice. I can't say enough good things um, about how blown away I am, um, just from support and you know, just just kind words and and everything else like that. You know, it's it's rewarding to know that you try to live your life in a certain way, and when you become when you're rewarded for the way you're living your life. So thank you guys again. 
uh ray tyler i had a great time talking to him and after talking to him um after we got done recording i decided that uh i'm gonna be taking the podcast in a certain direction so there's gonna be a lot of cool episodes coming out um just with me and scott and some other farmers and i'm gonna do some other stuff too but anyways guys enjoy this episode and uh continue to rock out man continue to, to reach out to me if you listen I love, if you're in Columbus, Ohio, hit me up on Facebook. I'd love to meet meet you. Um, but anyways, guys, enjoy this show. And, and just thank you, thank you, thank you again for being great listeners and, and just for saying kind things to me. Um, you know, I, this, this podcast has always been something special to me, but it's, it's good to see that it's coming special for other people as well. So thank you guys so much and enjoy the show. Listen to the hammer ring. Can you hear it ring? Keeping time just as steady as a clock. Can you hear the sound of the hammer swinging down? Bill Henry, he's a busting up that clock. I was 25, just barely in my prime. Convicted of a crime I hadn't done. Sentenced for life, I had to do my time on a prison camp beneath the Georgia sun. Well, the first thing that you learn, building me, he's the one that you better stay out of his way. The meanest man around, he'll put you in the ground, and even he sit unto their praise. Listen to the hammer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. So thankfully, I had this super cool guest hit me up, and I was like, fuck yeah, dude, let's do this. So uh, you may know him. He's the owner and operator of Rose Creek Farms. Um, He's been mentioned quite a few times on the uh, Urban Farmer Season 2 podcast with uh, Curtis Stone and Diego Footer. Mr. Ray Tyler, how you doing today, sir? And we're we're doing great, doing great. How about yourself, man? I'm doing well, man. Uh, just uh, just kind of enjoying the uh, the fall here. Even though I did try to plant some crops without any row tunnels or anything, I'm just like, yeah, let's see what fucking happens. So yeah, man, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, man. It's well, it's the experimental year, man. It's like the first year. Learn your climate exactly. right, and uh, yep. But yep. Uh, you know, you're a similar farmer to me, a little bit more advanced. Uh, you guys pretty much just do similar to what like Curtis Stone does, correct? With the yep, uh, mm-hmm. with the greens and everything. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's it's kind of a mix between JM you know and Jay and Curtis. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we're, everybody we're, we're kind of whole... is, right nowadays. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's kind of like you know, I kind of take the approach like there's not one way to 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 do this farm thing, so it's kind of adapting all these things that make sense to your your style and your clients and, and your climate and all that stuff. And just, you know, all, always experimenting and seeing what, what works. So that's, that's kind of what we've done. That's awesome, man. Um, yep. I know that, uh, I think it was you that started the, the new way to do your templates for, uh, making holes or didn't you, you when I told Curtis, this is actually, how I make holes in my mm-hmm. landscape fabric. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, we, we had, um, 
it's crazy like like here in Tennessee and uh man our weeds down here are just same here. It just seems like it seems like weeds like never die, the bugs never die. So our weed population is just out of control. Yeah. And it it hasn't helped that the past couple of years um you know, we didn't devote the kind of attention to it that we needed to. So, you know, we had just the pig and Johnson grass weed thing going on, just insane. So, um, you know, I really liked the way Curtis was using landscape fabric. So we had uh, early this spring, we had invested in a bunch of fabric. And um, so I, I had my brother-in-law who's going to help us burn these holes and I don't think there was a way that he could just eyeball it like Curtis was, you know, the whole spray paint thing. Yeah. So it just seemed like, you know, doing that whole wood thing, uh, it was just like, look, put the board here, burn the holes here. You can't mess up and just move on. Yeah. And so and it was great. It, it worked word, you know. Um, so Leb, you know, uh, my wife's brother could do it. Ashley was doing it. It was just uh, just trying to make everything you know, try to systemize it. And so it, it worked great for us. Yeah. I actually, uh, I don't know if you saw jam's recent video. He had that one planter. He's doing the rows of five of the Salanova. Like, I think he was doing five inches apart. Um, yes. Yeah. So I needed to make a new template cause I thought the one that I, the one that I originally had was kind of shitty and I'd messed up some things too. Like I didn't realize that I'd actually made my beds 36 inch beds. And because oh, of my bummer. Well, when I first got started, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Like, I was just like, okay, right, right. like, I just need to get started. And then, uh, then, then, you know, I signed up for the course and then I'm reading the, I finished reading James' book and I'm like, okay. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to redo it. But so I had a new template made and I just did the, the, the rows of five. And, uh, but, you know, man, it's, it's, it's an, you're always changing. But, uh, this is about you though, Ray. This isn't about, this isn't about Drew Sample here. So, um, but let's uh, let's kind of go back to the beginning because this is what I always like to yeah. do. Um, so okay. what what were you doing before you were a farmer, man? So how did you kind of get into this space? Yeah, and, and what okay. uh, what made you want to go back to the land? So interesting story. So um, I uh, so I was basically um, a a high end kind of carpenter in for the Memphis area, and we were driving. Um, you know, I was driving two hours one way um, just to go to work, and I was kind of getting tired of that drive, and uh, we were in the high-end trim market in Memphis, so we were doing these just insane, you know, billion, billionaire houses and bath houses, and uh, so I was just kind of getting tired of that, and um, my wife and I had our, had, our, had our first daughter, and she was six months old, and so... We just knew that um, we just kind of felt like we didn't want to keep doing this forever, you know? So I I was raised up in in kind of a broken home, and I knew that in order for me to um, succeed in any sort of measure, I was going to have to be around a little bit more. Um, So around that time frame, and we were actually um, in debt quite a bit. So around that time frame is when that 2008 recession hit. Yeah. We were booked for like two weeks, I mean, two years ahead in, in this high-end trim. And just when the market blew out, you know, everyone knows that the whole housing market 
just went to pot. And so along with, with all these, all these jobs with it too. So after that, I had, uh, when I was 18, I went to Botech school for welding. So I went back and got my AWS certification. Um, and I was able to find, um, a job welding during that, that recession. What kind of welding which lasted were you doing? About three so I was doing these like huge, um, Oh, for like, it was actually for, I guess, um, these big, huge, like, filters for these huge coal plants. These things were like, they, they were so big that the only way you can move them was by, by train and barge. Like, they were just mad. Like, you could drive a semi through them. So I was welding those. And, you know, I loved it, but, um, you know, I quickly was like, huh, you know, I just don't know if I want to keep doing this. And around that time, my wife and I just felt like, you know, um, we don't even want to keep doing this either. But whatever we do end up doing, we feel like we need to be at least debt free so we could kind of explore some different things. Yeah. So we just started trimming down our life. I mean, you know, my wife is, is, is pretty amazing. So, I mean, she was, you know, we did cloth diapers. We were rewashing Ziploc bags. I mean, we were living, I mean, just um you're you're frugally yeah and thrifty you are frugally so um this welding company that i was at they kind of prided themselves like they haven't done any layoffs in the last 20 years and so like you know what you know this recession won't touch us well three months later um and let me go back so during this time of this welding it was summertime i was working nights and my wife had wanted this little garden and so I was kind of piddling around. I think um, I had more weeds than crops. And the deer came and ate everything. It was just, it was, you know, it was just insane. And there was nothing really in our minds like this is what we wanted to do for like a living. It was just like, you know, we just want to grow enough, you know, peppers and tomatoes for my wife to make salsa for us, you know. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I would come home 5 o'clock in the morning from work, work on the garden till about, you know, 8 or 9. And then, you know, try and get some sleep before going out. So, anyway, so about three months later, uh, the welding company laid a bunch of us guys off. So, I uh, came home, and um, and it was it an was insane job, too. It was crazy. It paid great, but it was just really demanding, insane hours. You know, I never got to see my family much, um, which is the exact thing that we – didn't want, did not want to do. So came home and that last paycheck paid off our last credit card bill. And so we were debt free. That's awesome. We were, we were really excited. It was, it was really an amazing feeling. Um, so, so during that time, you know, I was doing kind of this land things and I was kind of, you know, I kind of live in this, uh, this community house here in Tennessee. And I was kind of working with some of the youth and, you know, the community kind of approached me and went, hey, if you can, you know, uh, garden this land in a way that's responsible and actually make it, um, actually, you know, build up the soil and, and maintain it well, you can just have at it, basically. So, you know, over the course of a year or so, um, we just felt like, you know, why don't we try this? And I had found this farmer named uh, Paul Whittaker up in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I visited him. 
And it was around November, and he had these high tunnels up. And I, I visited there, and I saw these lettuces in this tunnel. Like, I've never seen lettuce look so good. Um, and I just instantly, I went, I've got to do this. Like, this is the coolest thing. Um, and so we hired him to come down to, to our place to kind of, he uh, spent two days down here and kind of like gave us his whole planting plan, um, for, for just, the, for just the, uh, for the early winter springtime. So, um, but he basically kind of gave us this map. Hey, if you want to have lettuce and kale for, you know, from March through May, this is exactly what, where do you put it, where you get the seed. It, it was, it was, it was an amazing gift. So, um, around that time, shortly after Paul came, our second daughter was born. Um, and then that spring we had got a loan from our kind of local grocery store to get this high tunnel. It was used for about $1,200 and we put it up. And we planted it, and I think about two months later, we were bringing, um, we had lettuce ready to go. So one of the guys in my community goes like, oh, you know, Ray, this is really nice. This lettuce looks really good, but where are you going to sell it? I was like, well, I haven't thought about that, you know. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I just want to grow some lettuce. So I uh, I went to this farmer's market in, uh, in Corinth, and I got my days mixed up, and I I didn't realize that they were only a – once a month farmer's market. So they were closed when I got there and I had like 200 head of lettuce. <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's like all I had. So then I heard that there was this farmer's market in Jackson, Tennessee. So I drove like an hour and a half north to this market. And Jackson's a fairly large city. I think it's in the 80 to 85,000. You know, I'm in rural Tennessee. So that, that, that's a pretty big city for, for our area. Yeah. And, uh, when I was pulling out the lettuce from the table, people were grabbing it as we were taken out of, out of the truck. That's they awesome. had said that they never had seen lettuce like that in like 30 years at that market. That's so awesome. it, it, it was pretty cool. Um, except the fact that, you know, once that crop of lettuce was harvested and done, I had not planned ahead to have, you know, this whole concept of like, yeah, if you want lettuce each week, you got to plan each week. Um, you know, I'd never heard of JM or Curtis or any of that. And then, and then I was working, um, basically part time as a land maintenance shortly after this time. Um, cause I, I knew that this farm thing was going to take me a, a long time to kind of figure out. Yeah. So, um, that, that, that first, that first season was, was, was really terrible. I mean, the, the spring was really encouraging, but then the summer, you know, our summers and humidity down here are just brutal. It's probably just like down this here in Ohio. Yeah, it's like, I mean, what, like September, I think it was like 90 degrees, like almost every day to like the last week of September. Oh, it's not it's that just hot here. But yeah, it gets, it gets warm and then all of a sudden it's cold here. It's just like when yeah. you go outside, it's cold. Um, yeah. No, it's a bummer. No, I, I had the same exact issues my first, like, I, I, I was doing really well, dude, and I was like, uh, man, I'm going to catch Scott. Like, uh, I was killing it at the farmer's market, but I just burned out because I was spending, you know, I was packaging microgreens and all that stuff. I didn't have a cooler built, and then uh, I didn't have any lettuce to change. So then, you know, 
uh month goes by and then i have let it i have food again and then i sell that and then um it was like uh then i had crops that went bad and i, and I just was kind of out for the count and then until i just right. planted now so i uh, same thing man you always have to have something ready so if uh, if uh okay. if a bed goes bad and you need to crop it out you have something else you can put there and and it oh, was yeah. something you were saying about weeds for me too um something i noticed which was a strategy using the fabric that i i couldn't weeds were so bad because also too because i didn't know what i was doing i was getting like free horse compost so it was filled oh, with purslane and all that stuff like it's good to yeah. build up your soil but it's really bad if you're trying to like grow food and sell it and not have weeds right and right uh, yeah it's terrible with weeds yeah and so i uh i just discovered it took me like till halfway through the season after flea beetles destroyed everything and uh, slugs mm. went through a bunch of radishes and then, uh, but it, it, it took me a little bit to figure out that if, you know, just like what you were saying at the fabric, like I can't direct seed every, I can't direct seed twice because the weeds will take over. Right. So I have oh, to, totally. so you have to do fabric once and then direct seed, put the fabric somewhere else with lettuce and then direct seed after you're done with it. So that was, uh, that's, so that was a strategy I learned. I don't know if, if it's, it's probably, it's probably, it sounds like it's similar for you. Yeah, uh, well, I think um, one thing we did this year that was – I didn't believe it worked down here in the south. I thought I was just like, you know, only those guys in Canada could do this thing. And that, and that was, you know, tarping. Yeah. And it's – and I felt like, you know, part of my thing of this year was I think if I could have been a little more patient and planned my beds a little bit better and let the tarp on for like two more weeks, Yeah. I, I, really, I really think, you know – but you know, there, there's one thing I was gonna. Um, yeah, sorry is, before I interrupted you. Yeah, no, no, you're fine. Um, it, it's it's just I'm 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 hoping I, I won't take too long telling the story. But after that first year, um, you know, I've just kind of pilling with this farm thing part time. Um, so a friend of mine um, talked. So one one resource we have is which unfortunately I have not been able to utilize it to its potential is we get all the leaves from our city of Selmer dumped on our farm. Nice. And it's, you know, I think it ranges, you know, it can be probably a, a good hundred dump truck loads a year. That's really good. There's like this, this huge pile. So, um, you know, uh, a friend and I had read Joel Saladson's You Can Farm, and uh, which was completely life changing book for us as far as the direction of our career. And you know, he talked about this whole you know pigerator and pigs rooting through stuff. So we we have these fields of just terrible Johnson grass. I mean, just you know, anybody who who deals with Johnson grass, like you know, the tubers go underneath the ground, and you just cannot kill it so we put about three feet of leaves on uh, about a half acre and let the pigs over for about well, probably almost eight to nine months so, so and you guys they have pigs dug, too or was it your friend's pigs so 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 no we did so it was kind of one little um trail off that we took was um we got those pigs just for to help with the the johnson grass and to turn our leaves over what uh, what Which breed left, were you guys using? Sorry to. Um. Uh. We we so we first started off with just like mutts in our area, like whatever we we could get, because yeah. we weren't thinking like 
we weren't thinking, oh yeah, we'll get these pigs and we'll eat them. We were just like, let's get some pigs to like, you know, there's this job we need to have. And so it seemed like to us like the pigs could do a good job. They did. And then when they reached 300 pounds, we were like, oh yeah, we need to like, what do we do with these things? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, the the failure of proper planning and um, farming by the seat of our pants, which is story of our life. Anyways, we come to find out that there was a huge market in in our area for pasture raid pork. And I, I had this friend of mine um who got out of prison and he needed kind of to enter back into to the world and so he's kinda of like this this animal whisperer. I mean just amazing with animals. And he really wanted to be more pigs, so we just like we had demand for pig meat. We had a great processor in our area. And so we just started getting more pigs, and then we got into the chicken thing, and it just seemed like we could never meet demand. And so um, the produce kind of went. I mean, we were doing produce, but it it was it was not it was not our focus like it was the animals. Um, and so you know, we found ourselves basically being like you know three quarters of our income was from our pastured animal um business. The the summer of 2012, um we had this chance to go full time. Um the job that I was doing um basically came to an end. The money ran out. Um you know it wasn't like a huge job. I think we were making like $150 a week, but it was like just enough. Like I said, we were we were determined all this time to figure this farm thing out in the meantime. So that summer we just we just went you know full time farming and really ramped up the the pig production and we started to kind of farm the tractors because it just seemed like I never had enough time to do the proper you know um, prep so I was kind of thinking oh you know we'll just we'll get we'll get a plastic mulch layer and a disc and we'll just we'll we'll we'll, we'll try farming produce that way so we have enough time. To process our own chickens and take the pigs, you know, it's just insane. Yeah. So, um, the, so, yeah, so we did that for about four years. And like I said, our, our animals, like we were really getting the processing down. Um, then the, um, fall of 2014, we had our, our fourth child. And then the following spring of 2015, our six-year-old daughter was diagnosed with stage four cancer. That's terrible. And this was like in that it was, this was like, I think we found out the end of February and normally we start really planting from March and April is our big two planting times. And so let's just say it really put a big wrench in our, and it was kind of interesting too, because like we spent the most time that, that winter, like we had the plan, like what we're going to do each week. We were going to really ramp up our, our animal production. Um, so we're really excited. So, um, and then, you know, of course we, we wanted to continue with the produce thing because we actually loved growing produce more than we did the animals, but the animals took the most of our time. Yeah. So, so we basically were in, you know, in and out of the hospital. Um, we were actually very blessed to have St. Jude, um, you know, two hours away, which is the leading oh, yeah. cancer children's hospital in the world. 
So we were very thankful for that. So when when we came back, which was uh, beginning in the middle of May, you know, we were just like, oh my goodness, you know, what are we going to do? Um, we're, you know, behind is not the word for it. It was just insane. Um, and, you know, we talked about, well, maybe I do need to go get a job just for this year. Um, we ended up taking a holistic approach. You know, we didn't do chemo radiation for our daughter. Did you guys do like the um, uh, garrison? Uh... Uh, so, so, um, we looked at that. And so there was actually a holistic doctor in Memphis. And we, we kind of went with his protocol as far as the whole healing process. Because mm-hmm. what our daughter ended up having was, um, squamous cell carcinoma, which is really common in, in older gentlemen. I guess they get it from like smoking tobacco and drinking their whole life. Mm-hmm. But, uh, she, but, for a child to get squamous cell carcinoma is just like she was the youngest child on record to have that cancer that young. Yeah. So there, you know. So um, and then like our surgeon was like, "Hey, man, we're we're gonna cut this thing out." They they basically cut um, half of her jawbone out, took a a whole section of her leg bone and and replaced it. Holy cow! And so. Oh, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. So, so our surgeon was like, Hey man, we do this in adults all the time. And I'm just, we're just letting you know right now that it always comes back. And when it does come back, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. It just, um, and we had a really close friend who is my age who died from squamous cell carcinoma like six months earlier. So like, okay, we, we, you know, we, we need to really treat this thing seriously we end up calling like all these, um, all these cancer, you know, holistic cancer places across the country. Like, hey, what you guys do? You know, would you guys do surgery? Would you guys just try to like, you know, eat well? And you got to mind, this is a six-year-old, so it's like, you know, a lot of radical things adults can do for cancer, you know, holistically. But when it's a child, it's, you know, it, it's kind of a whole different story. Yeah. So we, um, we, we find a holistic doctor, uh, or just, um, practitioner here in Memphis and he had a pretty, pretty good protocol that we really felt good about. And so, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, insurance doesn't cover, um, these, these kind of different alternative methods. Um, so. When we came home, like, okay, well, we're, we're going to have to really, you know, figure out how we're going to do this. So do we get a job? Or do we just, you know, really take a hard look at what we're going to do and do something else? So either just talking about it, we just talked to a lot of our customers. Um, and we have a really cool uh, customer community. We had started the CSA, and like two weeks after it had started that spring is when we got the, the diagnosis. And so we basically had to like cancel the whole spring CSA. Um, you know, we offered most of them to, you know, we'll give you guys, you know, get a call from next year. And most of them like, look, don't even worry about it. Just take care of your daughter and, you know, um, just you guys start up whenever you guys are ready. So it it was, that that, that was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. We were able to do a fundraiser just to help with, you know, not only the farm, but just a lot of, um, you know, we, we gotten like, we got an infrared sauna and we got this, you know, some different, you know, um, ozone generator and some different things that was pretty pricey. And it was just really incredible to see, um, even like farmers that we had, you know, 
gained a friendship over the last couple of years just across the country that just really showed her support. So we're able to really take care of her. And then that summer, so one of the things that we were not, that, um, so we basically went on this kind of like raw vegan diet for 90 days. And then we cut a bunch of other stuff out of our diet. Yeah. And one of those things was uh, pork, huh. you know, cause see pork, pork, the, um, you know, pigs do not sweat. Yeah. And so sweating, you know, you're able to release a, a lot of toxins. Yeah. So since you don't sweat, um, obviously this is probably, you know, you could probably debate on this scientific data on this, but the, the majority of, you know, folks out there would agree that, you know, um, Pigs are probably not the most cleanest animals to eat if you're really trying to keep your body from having cancer again. Yeah, so that's something. You know, know, I I was back with these pigs. They're like getting out, and I was just like, I was just hating these suckers. Like they're just like, I can't eat them. You know, which is like, what's the point? Like, why, why grow food that your family can't eat? And so. By the end of the season, you know, and I was like doing this whole tractor thing and it was just like, you know, it rained every time and I could never get in the fields. And man, by, by August, you know, in September, I was just, I was not having any fun. It was just not enjoyable. Yeah. And I, um, my wife had bought me James book that, um, a couple months before. So I read that and then I came across permaculture voices and Curtis Stone and I just remember, man, I just, I was out there at the tractor and just listened to this like different way to farm. And I remember thinking, man, this sounds a lot more fun than what I'm doing right now. <laughs> this really sounds great. And this great. was, uh, and this, was just, this was 2015? This was 2015 is when I was going through this whole, this whole thing. Oh, man. And, you know, and, and I basically came to the point, you know, we had now, you know, four children and of course, you know, my wife was huge part of the farm, and now, you know, for that spring summer of 2015, she was stay-at-home nurse for our daughter, who was, you know, recovering from this traumatic experience. And so, yeah, it, it was, it was, um, yeah, basically, we were not having fun, and so, um, you need to find a way I to re- have fun again, right? Exactly. And so um, I remember just like reading James' book and, you know, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, <laughs> you know, as far as being able to like read a book and like, okay, I got this. I can, you know, I felt like I needed someone to really come to my farm and be like, hey, your farm's a mess. It's the worst farm I've seen. And this is how you can fix it. Like, that's kind of like what I wanted. So I was like, you know what? What I need is I just need JM to come here because, you know, I've got so many things in my head and just, and just really just, you know, consult with me for a day, basically. Yeah. So, um, I was telling a, a, a friend of mine, a former friend who, who farms in, in the Memphis area. I was like, dude, man, we just, just, um, you know, we'll just, uh, you know, if you're okay with other people coming, we'll just sell tickets and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just help pay for this thing. Cause, you know, um, it wasn't like jam what was going to come for free or anything. Yeah. Right. So, um, I was like, well, why don't we try that? You know? And then through this whole time, there was three, um, farmer, um, family farmers in an area that like went, went out of business. Right. Yeah. And so, 
what I'm finding is like, this is a really hard area of the country to farm. It's hot. It's humid. Um, we have a decent local food economy, but it's not nothing like, you know, up where you live or New York. I mean, all these, you yeah, know. Yeah, for sure. Like, never bought them farms. Like, they're so far outside New York City, like two hours out, and yeah. they just put it on in somebody else's truck, and they're making a killing. It's uh, Totally. You're, everyone's so, market's and, different, man. Everybody's market's different. Everybody's climate is different. That's why it's, you know, you can't, there's not a cookie-cutter way on, on how to do anything. Absolutely. So I went, you know, if, 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 if we don't, and another thing, too, is, like, I would go to these, you know, kind of um, local, like, conference get-togethers, and some of these farmers would be like, you know, I'm not telling you how I do, you know, celery, because if I do, then you'll learn how to do it, and you'll, and you'll take my, my market. And, you know, those kind of people were, like, out. Like, they were out of business, like, the, a year or two later. The mindset you know? people. It's funny. Like, yep. how, like that's the and, thing, man. Like, when you listen to Curtis, he's like, man, I think in abundance. Like, I don't think. Yeah. There's, there's enough everybody. There's there enough is, fish in yeah. the sea. And so I was like, you know what? If, if we don't bring in high-grade education to the Mid-South and really um, start – Thinking of the farmers here as like, hey, we're we're you know, we're supposed to be as a team. You know, we we all want the same thing. We all want a transparent local food economy. Yeah, and we don't start don't don't um, you know, really start taking this seriously. Like, there's not going to be a lot of farmers left who are successful. Yeah, you know, also you have, you know, like just to kind of add another part of that too, man. Like, we're all Appalachian too, man. I mean, that's in our that's in our roots. Like if, if, yeah. if your family's been here for a while, like that's how like my grandpa, like he's always had a garden. He always had fruit trees. It was like, it's just something you had. Like, it's like, cause that's what you, yeah. that's how you had to live back then. So, uh, I yeah. think it's, uh, you know, I think it's, um, you know, even here in Ohio, like, I mean, most people move, like my family's all from Kentucky. So it's like, you know, we moved, my grandpa moved up here for work. And so, uh, oh. it, you know, man, it's just getting back into your hillbilly roots. <laughs> exactly. So what we did, so we went, okay, let's let's go for it. You know, we 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 got JM on on board, and we decided to do a, a two day workshop. One was going to be like this hands on tool workshop on my farm, like you know, and then the second one was going to be in Memphis, um, which can be like an all day like sit down class workshop that uh, JM always does, and. Um, so we were super nervous because it's like, you know, this is the Mid-South here. And this guy's from Canada. Is anybody here going to even, you know, for one, know who JM is? Two, are they going to want to come pay money to, to see this guy talk, you know? So, but we, um, we, we, we actually got some funding from a local, um, aggregator in Memphis and we're like, you know, I kind of pitched it to him. Hey, if we don't start investing in our local farmers, there's not going to be a lot of local farmers left Yeah, and it's to help supply you guys. So he's like, Hey man, I love this idea. Let's do it. So he kind of helped, helped us, um, you know, kind of just gave us the encouragement to go for it. And so we, we got tickets together. We kind of sm- formed this nonprofit called small farms for, for big change. Because we knew that, you know, a lot of the farmers in our area were, you know, on a small scale. But we also knew that we needed a lot of big change if we're going to really be 
um, you know, financially, you know, sustainable and live a quality of life that not many of us were living. Yeah. Um, so we launched tickets and like, I think for my, for my farm event, I think we sold out tickets like four weeks before it even happened. I mean, it was just, it was really exciting. That's awesome. Um, you know, I, I think the tickets were a little bit too cheap. It was our first year. Like we didn't even know if anybody was going to come. So we were just like, you know, bare bones, but it was really exciting. I think we had people come from like 15 states for, for those two days that we had put on. That's awesome, man. It, it, it was really exciting. And, um, and it, it was good, um, you know, just to see all the, all the people show up who really were hungry for, you know, even if they are farming with a tractor, there's, there's obviously things we can all learn from each other. And so it, it, was, it was really a, a, a great experience. Um, you know, I got to hang out with Jay at my place for the evening, and it was pretty cool because, you know, I think, you know, we see Jam's um, farm, you know, in, in pictures and on, on the internet. And, you know, he would just, like, show me, like, you know, random pictures that he shot on his place. And there's weeds. It, you know, it's, it, it's not like this, um, you know, this untouchable farm that nobody will ever obtain to. Um, and so it's cool because he was really down to earth and he was just like, hey, look, you know, the biggest thing we are, we're just very efficient. We never let weeds, there's weeds, we never let them go, go to seed, you know, and there's a big difference. Yeah. And man. so it was, it was like, you know what? My farm can look like that. Like, I, I could do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so it, it was, it was really encouraging. So, um, after that, um, I had reached out to Curtis because at this point, you know, this was, you know, December and I had reached out to Curtis and like, Hey, look, I'm really serious about this to you and JM. Um, I just, I, I have some markets, some opportunity where I know I can sell some produce, but I just cannot seem to be able to grow it on a consistent basis. Yeah. So it, it was, it was really great. Um, and I think, you know, me and my wife, we, we, uh, we did Skype with him together. Um, it was, uh, over the course of a month and a half, I think we did about 10 hours. And after the end of it, we were like, you know what? Um, we were just thinking about like all the farmers that we knew of like, you know, and so my wife had asked this good question a lot and she just basically went, do you know of any farmers who are financially successful, have a good quality of life, who are doing both livestock and produce? Like, you know, now that you mentioned, I don't know if I, I'm sure they're out there. I just have never heard of them or, or talked to them, you know. The only, the only one that and I so, know of that ever did was Eric Schultz and he scaled the fuck down because he was wearing himself out, man. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So back to the quality of life. Yeah. Like man. you can do, but if your quality of life is in the pits, why farm? Like, exactly. you know, we, we want this because we, we want to, we want to be, we want to be, you want to have our hands in the dirt, you know, we want to work hard, but we, we want to feel good at the end of the day and not be so tired and burn out that we're, you know, we're just toast, you know? And for me, you know, I have, you know, um, our fifth child was born two weeks ago. So for us, you know, family is a very, a big deal to us. I want to have time. 
You guys are trying uh, to catch up to the Burns family, man. They got seven. You got five now. Jeez, Ray. <laughs> you know, so um, so quality of life was like that was my number one goal for 2016. Quality of life, and obviously, you know, we 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 have to we have to make a financial living as well. So at the end of it, we just went. You know what? What do we love to do? And we went, we love raising produce. We're eating a bunch of it right now since we changed our diet. And we really are hating these pigs because they're just no longer fun. And so we said, you know what? Let's just get rid of the animals all together and let's just focus on one thing. And one of uh, Joel Salatin's <clears throat> um, managers up there for two years, Caleb Curlin, um, his father – was one of our CSA members, and so he kind of got us hooked up and come to find out that, you know, Caleb was wanting to move back to our area to start this meat business. I was like, hey, look, Caleb, you know, instead of you coming here and trying to compete with me, why don't I just hand this thing over to you? You do the meat thing, I'll do the produce thing, and we'll just really focus on on, on, on our own craft. That's awesome. And it was, I'm telling you, so this year it was a risk because the majority of our, of our income was from the meat. Yeah. And so usually like, like each winter we would have freezers packed to the gills and, and that, that's how we made our living over the, over the winter. So this is, this will be our first winter without, you know, that. But I've got to say, Drew, I mean, um, we had a little hiccup this past spring. We geared up. For, for a client, um, and management had changed. It was a wholesale account. And so basically, <clears throat> um, up to the last week, that whole thing changed and it was not what we thought it was going to be. And so, um, you know, we just started hustling the, the grocery stores. We got, you know, packaged clamshells and labeling. We were just hitting up restaurants that we knew who may have been interested in this. We tried Salanova and we just got out there and just beat the bushes. Um, cause we were just like so determined to make this work, you know, yeah. and it was, it has been the most funnest year we have ever had farming. We've had such a good time. For the most part, I've been able to, you know, be home for dinner and stay home. Don't have to go back out and do chores or, you know, weed. Away at the end of the night. Oh man, I'm, I'm just telling you. Um, and just to focus on one thing has just been so, so good. Um, you know, I, I just feel like to, you know, I, I think you can do both, but to do it excellent with, just precision and really come to this level of like hope that you can actually, we'll never master the craft, but yeah. you can at least get a handle on the situation. Yeah. <clears throat> Instead of being a master, you'll just be a jack of all uh, trades. You know, sort of it's like, you know, at the end, yeah, at the end of the day, you never really feel satisfied with your field of lettuce and carrots, or you never feel satisfied with, how great and and shiny your your pigs are and how well the pasture is looking you know there's just you don't have time it's just it's just insane at least for us now mind you i'm sure there's someone out there who is um who who's able to really crush it for both 
Um, well, but, I think, I mean, here's the thing though, man. I think it's like if you have a family that does operations, kind of like, uh, Joel Salton does, right? Like they have different right. fiefdoms and different people, but I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, Paul Wheaton doing his, uh, his ant village, right? Cause his whole idea is if I had a hundred farmers farming one acre, it's going to be way better than one farmer farming a hundred acres. And that's, that's totally. the whole, that's the whole thing, man. Like, it, you know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then more people get a, get a piece of the pie, you know, yeah. instead of one guy being the, having the monopoly, there's a chance now for a lot of small farming families to really, you know, ha- have some action in it. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And, and, you know, this year we were just, I mean, able to really control the weeds. Um, you know, we've, Almost tripled our our net income for ourselves personally. That's amazing. Um, you know, and I think obviously there was a lot of things, mistakes, and failures we made. There's a list of them that we hoped to not repeat next year. But the fact that there's hope that we can actually address those problems is just we're super excited about it. You know, that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it it's one it's one thing to have a really you know you're producing product it's another thing to actually bring home a weekly paycheck for your family that's a livable <clears throat> um wage that's not you know well are we gonna be able to afford a bag of beans this week guys you know like no we actually eat very well um we had enough money to go on a week-long vacation in august minnesota which is like unheard of um you know and i think a lot of that just had to do with really um instead of trying to reinvent the wheel really get you know there's a lot of good farmers out there who are really doing well mm-hmm. um they have a quality of life and i think if you know some of us farmers who are struggling could realize that and and kind of like what you know we had to swallow our pride and admit that we were terrible farmers and we felt like the only way to get better was really go you know what um, let's, why don't we get some, why don't we pay good money for some really good consulting for us? Not, yeah. no, not what, what Curtis or JM is doing, but what do you, in our situation, in our climate, in our marketplace, what do you think would be a good direction to go into? You know, and obviously we didn't do everything that Curtis or JM said, but that's not the point. There was enough good information for us to make really good um, decisions absolutely for, for i mean it, it is just um you know i i would like to see more beginning farmers really make that plunge before they even invest a lot of time or money in in their operation i think it's just one of the best tools that you could ever have yeah man i think that's uh that's an excellent point so now, for for farm wise, how big is it, how much land are you guys growing vegetables on? Is it just is it just an acre or is it below an acre? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's 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 under an acre. I would say um, this past spring we were harvesting off about a quarter of an acre. I think we did like um, I think we did like thirty five or forty grand in like eight weeks. That's great. Yeah, it was, it was really good season. Um, we, we, we got some really nice um, wholesale bookstore restaurant accounts that really helped move. Um, I think 
will be, and obviously, you know, um, some of those plots, like, I, th- I think, you know, back to some mistakes, it's like, sometimes you, with not having a CSA, which we've done before, but we felt like, what it felt like this year is that we were, like, starting this brand new farm. Yeah. Like we got rid of the tractor. We got, you know, we invested in all the BCS implements, a ton of money in um, landscape fabric, and and just all the stuff to really, um, you know, really good cedars, really good tools, um, because we knew we felt like we could sell it if we could just produce it. Yeah. So, but with that model, there's 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 things that we grew that we should have never grown like a lot of, because we were like kind of guessing and hoping, oh, you know, if we grow this much kohlrabi, maybe we'll sell it, uh, and then you know, and never sell, and the bugs would get to it, and we grew. We normally could sell a lot of celery, um, but our market had changed this year, and so it just, you know, yeah, there's just there's a lot of things that. We're not going to grow again. For one, we don't enjoy growing it. And two, it just doesn't sell in our area. So, um, but I think the, the salad mix really hit it because we were able to have salad like every week of the spring, summer, and fall, and even now. Yeah. And so, what was great about it is that everybody has lettuce in the fall. And so, we were able to keep these, some of these bigger accounts. Going with lettuce, even though I don't think we made any profit on it, but now we're just we're really um, producing the salad mix. You know, so you, a, you said you you started with Salanova. Did you go away from Salanova? No, we're 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 still using it. We did it every every week. I will have to say that I was not happy with the red. Salanova at all? Which one, the uh, red sweet crisp or the red uh, butter but or? The, 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 the red butter and the red sweet crisp, it would be like, you know, you might get 20, they, I mean, 20 leaves off of it, but. Yeah, they go, they go, uh, they, they don't grow, they don't regenerate as fast and they, um, they no. seem to go bad and faster. They, oh yeah, they, they, they bolt just way before. So I think that's another one thing that we didn't do well. <clears throat> Our mix was, um, it seemed like it was like 90% green. Yeah, which we did get a little backlash from our chefs, but it was kind of like you guys have lettuce, so what else are we going to do? You know. Um, so, but are, I think. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, do you, are there any other types of lettuce that you're growing with the uh, Salanova, or is it just Salanova now? It's just Salanova, but however, we are going to try some Lolo Rosa, okay. and just we're going to direct seed that, and then we'll just get the the greens harvester, and. Um, and just add that. That's what we're going to try because I feel like every – and then in our summers, the red was always the first to fry. Like they just yeah. – you know, green would survive, but the red would just – it would just be toast. Yeah, man. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's – uh, I, I, I had to water it mine a shit ton just because, I mean, our summers probably don't get as hot as they do in Memphis area. But uh, – um, It's just – yeah, like you just have to get, uh, you just have to keep watering it. Otherwise, it goes bad. Like it's so. Yeah, and and, and so, so that there was there's one thing I actually found, which I think. So for us, like if if we if we transplanted, and mind you, would be in the upper 90s, humidity 85 percent, and just just baking the earth. So what we found is if we did overhead, at about 45 minutes 
per cycle and like every um every six hours yeah so you know four in a 24-hour period that that really helped a lot that's what i did <laughs> i just guess yeah. too i did it i think i did it like 30 i do it like first thing in the morning okay. and then i do it like yep. uh 11 and yep. then i did it again at 6 p.m and it was yep. uh and it, yep. so it wasn't like too hot and then right when it was cooling off it was it was getting water and uh my water bill was expensive but it was it was right. uh but man, it kept my crops. I mean, I, I made that money. Yep. You know what I mean? So, and I, and I could have, I mean, there's probably some ways that I could make it more efficient next year. But, uh, yeah, I, I right. found that too. Something that, um, somebody in the course does is they did, they made, they took shade fabric and they put it on low tunnels. Um, yep. And it was a guy in, uh, I think the guy, he's in Buffalo. I can't. I'll okay. Sh- shout him out, but uh, yeah, that's what he was doing. So I think that's another that's another strategy too. And so are so yes. now you you were doing uh, celery. So what are you going to change next year? Uh, based on uh, what? How many crops? You, so how many crops did you start with this year? And how many are you right, going to so, cut cut out? Okay, so I think I'm going to say we did. We normally do like fifty to sixty. But I think we trimmed it down to like 20 this year. Yeah. And I think we're going to be due, as far as vegetables, we'll probably be like in the 12 range. Yeah. There's, there's, there's like, you know, I think the, the two that come to mind that I'm definitely not doing again, and that's uh, celery and um, kohlrabi. We can grow it great. They're just not the market what yet. Is, uh, what here. is kohlrabi? Is that a green or no? So kohlrabi is like it's like this alien-looking bulb fruit that grows above. And it's got all these kind of stalks that grow from this bulb. Yeah, and um, you know it's it, it, it's a delicious vegetable, but people in the south just don't know how to cook it yet. You know they'll 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 figure it out in about fifteen years. So you're gonna are you gonna keep a uh, personal garden as well? Oh yeah, totally. Because okay. our kids will eat kohlrabi all day long. Yeah, man, and that's a good. You don't necessarily want them out on the farm yet, but it'd be good for them to get their hands dirty in the garden. Oh well, yeah. I mean, so so that's the thing with we do with our kids is that we have this policy where like there's nothing that's off limits for them. Oh, that's great. So we just make sure that that we grow enough. Like if they want to go in and start, you know, chowing on the carrots or like like the hawkeye turnips. Like the, I mean, our kids will just devour you know a twenty five foot bed in two weeks. Put the squat there and just tear it up. That's great. So, you know, it's kind of one of the and and we've always done that, and so our kids eat, eat a lot of vegetables because they were raised when they could start walking and grabbing you know lettuce and chomping on it. You know, this is just, this is just what we do. That's great, man. So back to uh, back to your kids. So your kids uh, now, so whatever they can reach, um, do they now? Do they come out and help too with the farm? Do you have employees? Uh, yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so essentially the, the way we have it is, um, like on our big harvest days, you know, they're, um, they're, they're, they're all out there, you know, they may not be helping the harvest uh, unless they want to. Um, we're kind of approaching, um, this whole, you know, entering them. We don't want them to be like burnout farming before they're 10, you know? Yeah. So, so, but basically, if they want to and they ask for a job, you know, because we, we have part timers who show up for our harvesting packaging days, then they, they, they love to help. Um, 
And then, like, if they go, hey, you know, um, like our two oldest daughters, um, you know, they're, they're getting older and there's things that they want. And, you know, we're, we, we're kind of, we're, um, we definitely, you know, buy our, our children things, but we don't buy them anything that they just want. Um, yeah. So, like, if, if they want, um, you know, Let's just say if they want a different color bike, they have a bike, but they want something, then we'll be like, hey, well, you know, if you want this, then you're gonna have to you have to buy it. Or if you want a different color watch, you know, we'll get you a watch. But if you want a special one that is, you know, exotic because you're gonna lose it in two weeks anyways, you know, you're gonna have to buy that. So they'll be um, like, hey, you know, um, we want a job, you know, um, like one of our daughters, she just loves to save money, so That's she great. hates spending it. So. Yeah, it is great. And um, so, yeah, so, but okay, yeah, we've got this job. You know, you, here's a bed of carrots, and we'll give you guys each $10 a bed, you know. And they're like, wow, this is great. So they'll, 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 just, they'll just chuck along. So um, that's kind of the way we approach it. Like if, if they really want a job and, and they want to get paid for it, then we'll, we'll give them a job. Um, most everything, like in the packing, um, we are starting to use them more for, you know, because we have a two-year-old and a two-week-old. And um, they really would like to help with them, and that works for us, too. So um, by them kind of helping with the younger kids, it, it's helping Ashley and I to get in there and just... Because, you know, the harvesting and packaging, especially when you get the whole clamshell business, it, it is it can be pretty time-consuming. Yeah, no. Um, so, are you guys selling to grocery stores then? Is that what you're yes, using the clamshells yeah. for? Mm-hmm. Yep. There's there's three grocery stores, and I got to tell you, man, that has been. I think a couple years ago we swore like we would never ever enter that world, but you yeah. know, there's some there's some produce managers who want local, but you know, the problem is that they got these farmers who come in with a big bag of lettuce, and you know, it's they want they expect the, the grocery stores to do the self serve thing. And, you know, I'm sure there's there's places in New York City that that's super hip, but, man, we're in the South, okay? Like, yeah. if it's not in the clamshell, washed, with a barcode, ready to eat, they're just not going to buy it. Mid- Midwest is the and, same way. Midwest is the exact it, same way. Columbus, yeah. like, if I'm going to do any of that, I'm going to have to do clamshells. And quite honestly, yeah, man, so, I, I would rather not have my product just be out in the open like that because it's like... You can go. Yeah, that's the whole thing, man. Like that takes away my quality control, and that's bullshit. It, yeah, it, it, especially if they're putting your name on it, and you go yeah. to them the next week and tell Will, it makes you look terrible. You know? Yeah, especially so, if I took the time to clean so, it, cool it, everything like that. Exactly. So we 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 went the whole whole way. We got you know barcodes for each product, um, each different size, and they just it just man, we cranked it out this summer. It was really. It, it was really a great thing, um, and it's all salad mix that you're selling to grocery stores, right? I mean, you know, yeah, and we 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 have like what we call fall fest, which is basically mixed mixed mustard greens, you know, the scarlet frills and ruby streaks and and green Philly mustard arugula. Then we have the arugula packs. Now we have we have spinach. And we have the straight salad mix. Um, I I I, I kind of like uh, Curtis's whole uh, you know leaves and shoots. I think that's a really cool idea mm-hmm. um, as well. So are you yeah, doing, that thing's really good. Are you doing microgreens as well? So we just started. 
Um, and we're still figuring that whole thing out. We had a really bad problem with like damping off and mold and, um, you know, so when, when I first started, man, I thought I was some fucking master genius. And, uh, then man, recently it's just, it's just been bad. The only ones that I can get to grow are the sunflower. Everything else gets mold. I, I figured really? out, I bought, yeah, that's what's the weird thing. Like my, the radish, which was is my worst. What's that? I cannot figure out the the, the sunflower. D- yeah, man. I mean, that's uh, a Curtis or uh, Scott just hated. It. He stopped it. He just did pea shoots and radish. Yeah. But man, I have good luck with sunflower. Ooh, yeah, oh, it could wow. be. It could be a good batch of seeds. Like I, I had really good luck with pea shoots, man. And then I, I bought pea shoots yeah, from the same location. I bought thirty five pounds more of peas and. Just assuming they would be good, and then the seeds look a little bit different. And then I was growing them, and it's like, yeah. oh, these, these like they 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 wouldn't. Um, they kept frailing, like at the top, they weren't really <laughs> growing right. And so, just gonna put those as cover crop in Joel's <laughs> Joel's new. There you go. Because yeah, it's and like, so like, gonna use for something like a waste, yeah. expensive ass cover crop. But whatever, it's gonna get. It's gonna be whatever. put to use. Yeah. So like in Memphis, there's already really two big microgreen games in town, and I think they're all indoor operations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they, they they definitely have dominated the market. Yeah. Um, and you know we've we're 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 max like you know we're we're trying to do this you know be done by five thirty you know and home for dinner. So there's we have a limited amount of time in the day. Yeah. So what we're hoping to do, just to experiment. So hopefully this later this fall and winter, we'll have a little more time. Um, you know, I think there's definitely a lot of potential in the microgreens. I just haven't, um, you know, because we're, you know, moving um, everything else fairly well. So, but yeah, I, I think it'd be, I think the microgreen thing would be great. I, I could see my kids taking over microgreens, you know, when they get older. Yeah, yeah. Did you? Uh... So, I don't know if you did. Chris Throw's course is only like fifty bucks. It's not much at all. You know, it's I, pretty in depth. I I actually heard you talking about that. I I think that that actually may be worth really looking into. Yeah, it's it's you know? it's totally it's totally worth it. Um, I so I still have, need to go have, in and and dive into it. I haven't even done it. I I I did. Okay. I I learned microgreens from Curtis's course, and I bought Luke Callian's book. Okay. Um, okay. But. I, I still need, I mean, there's a lot of work I need to do. Like, cause I first mm-hmm. went through the course, man, and never really farmed, no fucking clue what I was looking at. And now, like, I'm going back, I'm like, oh, oh. That's what it- Yeah. Like, it even, like, I swore, right. I swore in my brain, even watching the videos of Curtis doing something, that he didn't do this step before. And then I watched the video again, I'm like, how did I miss that? Like, how did I. I mean that's just yeah. how it is though, man. Like you learn best from making mistakes. Um but that's Holy that's awesome, like, man. How uh, so how many grocery stores were you selling to? Just one? Um, so we're doing three at the moment. That's great. And we're gonna we're we're uh, uh we're a fourth one is coming on in May. And are, are these um, just like little chain like little little grocery stores or is it a chain? Yeah. No, they are, um, well, one, one is beginning to be a chain. Um, one is independent, um, grocery store. Um, actually two of them. So yeah. So two, two are like these independent kind of small boutique. Um, you know, and they're, they're really nice health, health food places. Yeah. You know, they're not 
near the size of, of Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or anything like that. But you know, they they do a fair amount of volume. Yeah. And then but there's the one new one in, in May, I think it's gonna be four times four times the size and it's gonna be in a really hopping place in town and so we're we're anticipating that to be a really great so one thing we're gonna be doing is um we started this year as well, and that was my, uh, herbs and clamshells. Yeah. Because you get like $55 a pound when you, when you do them in clamshells. Yeah. Um, and good. so that's, that's it's really money. good. It, it, <laughs> it's insane, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. And then, For you know, um, um, you know, uh, um, you know, thyme, oregano, rosemary, huh. um, sage. Uh, basil, you know, in, in the small clamshells. Now, the problem with herbs is that they are very time-consuming. So, um, it's like, you know, you really, we're, we're still developing a system to make that efficient. Yeah. You know, because we, we try and weigh the herbs so that they're, they're somewhat consistent. Um, well, man, you find an efficient, you find an efficient system with herbs, man, and then you, Make a course and you sell it. I mean, if yeah, so we actually did, we actually did consulting with this um, um, with uh, with this really great farmer in Virginia, um, and and she, she just sells to the farmers market. But um, I think, and then um, I've got a slot scheduled with um, Chris Blanchard, who's consulting with him that this fall, because he used to do like a thousand clamshells a week, you know, when he was of farming. Of herbs. Oh wow, I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah he's like he he's like the the herb king, you know, in the Midwest. Hmm. Um, that's good to know. At least that's what I understood. Yeah. So um, so so that's one thing. So we're hoping to do is get more into the herbs because yeah. uh, it doesn't take a lot of time. And you know, once you plant those herb plants, they're there. Except for like basil, they're there for three or four years. You know, you don't have to keep replanting it. That's great. And so you just, you just put them on landscape fabric and bam. So, so I think we're going to drop, you know, those few items that we talked about the cell and the Karabi. Um, we probably won't do as much kale this year just because everybody grows kale. Yeah. Because it was and like the, so, before, before kale became like the superfood, uh, Pizza Hut was the biggest buyer of kale and it was, uh, as a decoration for their, Pizza slash salad bar. Are you, are you serious? I never knew yeah, that. Wow, somebody, somebody told me that because I was eating, before I was farming, hey. I was eating these disgusting tasting <laughs> kale salads because I thought that was healthy. That's, that's cool. So, yeah, so I, I think we're not going to grow as much kale. Um, you know, we go to a lot of ourselves. But, you know, it's like, why try and compete in, in a flooded market when there's other opportunities elsewhere. Absolutely. Man. And, and, and if we can keep our scale low, like we're hoping to stay in that one acre or lower less because we really don't want to work more hours. Yeah. Um, you know, we live in a, in a very, uh, we live in the poorest County in Tennessee. So our, you know, the cost of living is not insane here. That's great. So like, we don't, we don't, you know, and, you know, we didn't do farming to like get rich, right? Yeah. We we did it to have a high quality of life. Um, although we do believe that a very good living can be made if you can farm smart. Um, but like that's, you know, obviously it's a goal of ours, but our number one goal is like 
we want to have time to live, right? Absolutely. You know, and like the farm needs to work for us. Like it needs to be under our control and not the other way around. Absolutely. So, so I think, you know, finding those crops that lend itself in that way, um, you know, which is, which we're, we're pretty excited. We, we just hired this guy to do delivery because I was driving Memphis, you know, once a week. And it's like all like I like wake up at three thirty and get home at six in the afternoon, and my day was just shot. So we just brought on this guy to do deliveries for us twice a week now that we're really excited about. And um, you know, so like I said, that's one step closer to the you know being home more. And yeah. I mean, if you got five you know, kids, you don't want to be away. No, man. I mean, I, I, I like I want to be home. Yeah. That's like, why you're you know, farming. I mean, not, that's why I'm farming. You know, not to like be on yeah. the road. Well, that's so. That's yeah, awesome, I'm super dude. Excited. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Um, so, and actually, the reason, one of the, another reason why you contacted me was you have another event coming up, right? We do. Yep. Mm-hmm. We do. So, like, um, so I, I was talking with JM uh, this past summer, and we decided to name this event that we're doing the. Uh, Market Gardeners Tool Summit, and um, yeah, he was he was pretty excited about it. Um, I think there's going to be some, hopefully, um, there'll be some more interaction with him in the future. He's got a lot of stuff going on right now, but so this year, of course, um, you know, Curtis has just been a huge part of our success of this year, and um, and we 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 just felt like. Um, uh, you know, getting Curtis down here to the Mid South would be really great for our farming community just to, um, bring that kind of level of, um, success. And so, so we're going to have this, this event on our farm each year, but, you know, and so what we're going to do is we're going to really focus on just appropriate to scale tools that would really, um, you know, help the small scale farmer. Um, so, you know, we have Curtis coming, we have Adam Mew of, of uh, Johnny Seeds. That's great. You know, um, you know, which I'm super excited about. You know, I don't, I'm not sure how many people know, but, you know, Adam was really influential of taking a lot of Elliot Coleman's ideas and actually, you know, getting manufacturers to make those tools. And then, you know, Johnny's was the platform that made all these tools available to all these small farmers across the country and i think now it's i think we're like shipping across you know like into other countries and stuff yeah and there's other so, and now there's other companies that are doing it too like i uh johnny's was sold out of my jang so i found another place yep. and uh hey, i, I yep. think i got my jang for like 20 or 30 bucks less and it was some out of some place in pennsylvania so i mean they were the first yep. to do it but they they created they, a, a, a market for people for other yes. companies to pop up Yes, and you know Adam is really progressive as far as you know. He's really um, he's always looking for new tools, and you know there's tools that he knows of that's not even online yet. So I think, um, and he just um, he just developed this new high tunnel that Johnny's going to start carrying next year. So he's going to come, and we're going to be talking about he's going to be talking about you know basically all these different tools as well. And I think he's going to be like showing like people how to like bend hoops, bend, bend their own hoops. That's great. For like a little demonstration. 
And then um, Jonathan Dysinger, he's that he's the inventor of the Greens Harvester. Oh, that's so awesome. he'll 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 be coming here as well. You know, he's got the Greens Harvester, and he got some new tools that he's working on as well. That's really exciting. Um, so I think having like these three minds, which we're hoping, you know, we can get them to agree to you know keep coming back. Um, and and the way I kind of look at it is, you know, it's this time, it's the end of the year, and it's like, you know, everybody who's in this so-called tribe, right? Like we're all in the small-scale space, and we're trying to do a lot of production on a small amount of land without tractors, some with tractors, some some even both. But we're looking for new tools to really help our farms be a lot more efficient. And, um, you know, I think we're going to um, – uh, we're gonna have the um. You ever heard of that? Uh, I've seen that Japanese paper pot transplanter video. Yeah, that Kurt, that, uh, that JM uh, did. I, um, yes. Also, the never never sink farms. Like I swears by that thing. Oh, I think Matt Cofay. I think Matt Cofay has it too. Um, so Matt, Matt Cofay is gonna be bringing his down here. Oh, nice. So he's gonna be there. T- yeah, because he's in North Carolina. Yep. So yeah. That's great. Yeah, he's, 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 I, I went and saw his farm last winter and it was great to see him out there. So, you know, Matt will be here. Um, so I think it'll be just really, there's already, you know, people coming from, um, you know, all over already. So I think it's going to just be a really great time for us to just to talk shop and really see, you know, these guys show new tools and for us to try new tools like that Japanese paper pot, like, I've always wanted to see one of those things in action, you know, because we're, yeah. we're really next year. Um, you know, Jonathan came to the event last year with his greens harvester. I know a lot of people bought greens harvester after seeing like, I have one. You know, it's it, one made, thing it, made, like it made my, it made harvesting so much easier, man. <laughs> like, oh, dude, it's I, just like, I wish I could you know, do it for Salanova, but I don't know. It doesn't, you, know, get pretty, you get pretty I efficient know. cutting Salanova. So yeah, 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 totally. So you um, cut the shit yeah, out so of yourself a couple of times, and then you learn. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right, man. I'm telling you. So yeah, so I, I think think that that that'll be really good. Hopefully, we can do that each year and bring, um, you know, bring different different guys down, um, kind of just share ideas, and you know, and it'll be on a working farm. So like, and I think conferences are great. I love conferences, but. Um, you know, having tools demonstrated on a working, producing farm is, um, it just really helps kind of bring home how the stuff really works in uh, the real world. Absolutely, man. So, and then when is this event? So this is uh, Monday. It'll be uh, Monday, December 5th. And then the next day, Curtis is doing an all-day uh, class workshop in, Memphis, in West Memphis, Arkansas. Which is like over the river of, of, of you know, from Tennessee. So Arkansas so, touches be, Tennessee. That's right, because Tennessee goes east and west mainly, right? It's like a yeah, yeah. super long state. Yeah, super man. That's state. why I was like, Tennessee, I think he's in the same time as me today. Oh, no, he's an hour behind. <laughs> that's what I, when we first were calling. I, I was actually relieved, man. It's yeah. time to eat dinner. And I was like, because I was just getting okay. home from work, but... Uh, it was like, oh, thank God, it's not till eight. Um, but uh, well, that's awesome. Are there still tickets available if people want to? There is. Mm-hmm. Yep. How yeah. Many... So, um, 
So we're we're we're, we're capping it out at eighty. Um, okay. and I think we could we we could do. I know we could sell more, but the thing of it is, is that we really want people to get a lot of value from this. And if there's two hundred people huddled around, you know, Curtis Stone, Adam Lemieux on a farm, like you know, I don't have a you know, we're not talking about a hundred acre you know field here. Like these are small, small you know eighth of an acre or less plots, right? Yeah, and this is where your family lives too. Yeah, I mean, you know, so this is like you know, um, you know, and 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 we have stuff growing. Like we're we're going to be building about um, eight to ten you know tunnels this winter because we're trying to keep this stuff going all winter. Um, and so it's like you know we can only have so many people trampling around, and um, you know, we really want everyone to have a, a chance to ask questions and to really like if they if they've ever wanted to see this tool um, in person or they wanted to ask Adam or Curtis or Jonathan a question, like they're not going to be you know fighting two hundred other people um, to to get a chance to really get their their question answered. That's great. That's great. And then, uh, yeah. how can people get these tickets? Yeah, so you can go to. Um, we, we we don't have a working website yet, but if you go to um, eventbrite.com and just type in small farms for big change or Curtis Stone, or you can go to our, our Facebook page, which is small farms for big change. Or you could click on um, the link in the show notes. I promise I'll have one. <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would be even better to, to, to do that. And then there's um, – so – you can there, there's there's tickets for Monday, which is the, the tool summit, and then there's tickets for Tuesday, which is the all day uh, Curtis Stone workshop that he'll be that he'll be teaching. And if you buy two, if you buy both days, I think you save like fifty dollars or something like that. It actually may be even seventy five. I can't remember, but um, you know, fo- folks can can really save a lot of money if they do the uh, if they do the two day package. That's great, man. Yeah, if I had vacation time, I'd definitely be there. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, and it's it's on a Monday, so uh, you know, a lot of farmers are doing the markets on the weekends. Yeah. Um, and on December, so it's typically a slower time of the year for them. And another reason why we like the December is because normally, like the month of December, a lot of farm farmers are planning their next year. So, you know, when they come to this event in early December, they're able to, you know, really get some ideas and um, and takeaways that, that could possibly affect their, their planning for the following seasons. I think it's really a great time. Absolutely. And just the whole network, meeting other farmers who are doing what you're doing. Like I said, we're, we're all kind of learning this craft together and just getting all those minds together. It's, it's, it's a really cool really cool and, and, and great experience and we're we're really super excited about it um yeah that yeah, was something Curtis, great that luke callahan said is you know when you go to things like that it's not necessarily the speaker it's you're not necessarily going to learn the most from the speaker that's at the front of the room you're probably going to learn the right. most from the relationships you form with the other people that are in there to see that same speaker totally totally yes 100 percent. yep right on right on yeah, so I, I I think I think it's gonna be a really good time. So we're 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 looking forward to it. And if um, you know anybody has any questions, um, you know they they can they can find me on on our uh, 
our Facebook page. My, you know, I've got a personal one and one for Rosefee Farms or our website. Contact information there. Um, you, you can even leave my my contact in the show notes. I'd be happy to email or if someone wants to call me and to find out more details. Um, it is, it's not the cheapest event probably going, but I think for the quality of, from one presenters and just the people who are showing up to attend, just like you said, I think, you know, the, these farmers who are coming are, you know, these are, these are the guys who are doing it. You yeah, know, it's you're not, it's not just experience, man. Oh yeah. You know, and, and a lot of farmers who are going to be there are, are making it happen too. So I think there's just a lot of, you know, sometimes it can just be that one idea that a fellow farmer gives you that could just, you know, it could make you $2,000 the next season, you know? Absolutely. Uh, just all about it, all about education and, and, uh, expanding, expanding our knowledge on, on how to perfect our craft. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, well, thanks, uh, Ray, thanks for contacting me to have you on, man. I loved having you on. It's uh, it's great. I'm kind of going more down this hillbilly route anyway, so it was nice to get a fellow hillbilly, which I say that with pride because of the <laughs> the skills. It, if you actually think about like the skills and the the uh, resilience of you know people that moved and settled in Apple, you know the Appalachia area. So, uh, but uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so real quick, for me. Oh, what's that? I said, no, thanks for having me on. It's, it's, it's been a great time. Oh yeah, dude. I've had a blast. I was like, yeah, we can talk for an hour. We're going in like an hour and 20 minutes. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, guys, so normal sponsors. So go to, uh, if you guys are into, I mean, there's nothing. So nature's image farm. Uh, if you guys go to, um, if you guys are interested in pork, poultry, or turkeys beyond organic craft forest raised um make sure to reach out to nature's image farm at gmail.com and if you guys want comfrey so bocking fort and 14 they will ship it anywhere also new farm supply if you guys like permaculture stuff which is also part of this scene grant schultz usually has some cool shit on there you'll save 20 percent on any purchase you make with code word sample and finally just what we were talking about small-scale farming um, if you guys want to join and take Curtis Stone's course, you can actually save a hundred dollars if you click on the first picture in the show notes, and the second one is just the payment plan. So that is it, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. And Ray, thanks again for being an awesome guest. Good evening, man. Thank you.
Busting up that wrong. 